0: By show of hands, I'll need the preach lights on so I can see how many of you feel like in your life you've had an encounter with a spiritual being, spiritual being, it's coming soon, huh, sure, yeah, it's a spiritual being, yeah, yeah, okay, how about uh, an, what we would call an angel or a demon, okay, some people, some people. Now we're talking about spiritual beings, right? We're not just calling people names at this point. Um, today, there's. A, a, I told them, I said, just sit up here because I want to preach a little, and we're going to move. This part is the part that um, it's the nerdier part. My wife said, "What do you mean when you say nerdier? I mean, I mean that not everyone will be enjoying this part as much as another part, perhaps." So today, if you want to know what we're talking about, we did this part. The Bible is rad. I don't care if rad is out of style. I will use this word until the day I die. The Bible talks about spiritual beings. The spiritual beings matter for our lives because the Bible is rad. The Bible is a rad book that talks about them. And it wouldn't talk about them if they didn't matter. So now we're going to look at angels and creatures today. We've been looking at rebellions. We've looked at the divine council. And today is to look at the very famous topic of angels. And the reason why I write angels and creatures is because There are angels and there are creatures in the Bible, and they are not the same. Angels do not have wings. Oh, no. But nowhere in the Bible does an angel appear that has wings. Now, there are spiritual beings that appear that have wings, but they're not referred to as angels. So if you have questions today, feel free to text that number. And as I joke every week, that is Edwin's number. He will go through all of the questions. That's not Edwin's number. That's my number. But I'll block it if you try to text me late at night with um, memes and stuff. But there's my number. If you have questions about angels and creatures, because we're getting into some weird topics, but they matter because they're in the Bible. And the Bible is what? Rad. I'm bringing this word back, okay? There was a BMX movie that came out in the 80s or 90s called Rad. I, I purchased it on Amazon With crew going down hell track against Bart, the evil BMX victor. Brett, you've seen this movie? Do you want to have a watch party at my house? Down. Okay. So the reason we're studying, the reason we're studying angels and the living creatures that inhabit the heavens that are on, and these are we're talking about the good guys, the guys on God's team still. Because there are rebellious ones, there are good ones, and there are all these different titles in the Bible. The reason why is because the Bible talks about them and we lack something that the Hebrew people did not lack. And I have this clip from a very biblical movie called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. To prove a point, um, in case you don't know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is referring to the Ark of the Covenant. This is their version of the Ark of the Covenant. On top of which stood two cherubim with wings touching. And there's a thousand renditions of what this would have looked like. But this box can't contain the Ten Commandments and it was placed in the most holy place in the tabernacle, which is the portable place where God met the people of Israel in the desert. And then when Israel got to the Israelites got to Jerusalem, they built the very fancy temple and they had this box with cherubim placed in the holy of holy places, the most holy place, the place where the high priest would connect with God and throughout the design that God commanded the Israelites, he said, I want you to put cherubim, depicted here and depicted here. Now, cherubim are one of the creatures that we see in Ezekiel 10 specifically. These winged creatures, sometimes depicted with four heads, sometimes depicted as four different beings with different animals coming out of different sides of the head and eyeballs in weird locations. Now, those aren't the angels that you and I think of. These aren't the the precious moments, rosy-cheeked angels. What we don't have in our culture, unfortunately, the Israelites would go in and they would see depictions of these. Now, why would God command that, we would, that the Israelites would depict these throne room creatures? Because he wanted to remind the Israelites, this is part of the heaven, the reality. This is what it's like in my throne. And I need you to understand when you come to the holy place to make a sacrifice, It's not just you're approaching me. There is a whole cast of heavenly beings. And these cherubim are the ones that are described as holding up the throne of God. And it's not lost on the people at the time when you would see the Egyptians and they would have the bearers with the poles carrying the the pharaohs around and the royalty around. These cherubim are those people for God. But those aren't the angels that you're thinking about. The, The heavenly host is all of it the heavenly host for today. We're talking about all the good guys. And you should say, man, this seems confusing. So we're just going to do something. Here's why it's confusing. There's three buckets that these angelic beings live in. and It's all the words, demon, Rephaim, cherubim, seraphim, the Nephilim, or the half-breeds, angels, the demoniacs. The reason why it's difficult is because these words can sometimes refer to their nature spiritual beings are primarily spirit but we do know that some of them have the capacity to become physical to become something that can be touched and in the case of the sons of God who rebelled in Genesis 6 literally make offspring with human women the status is another one there's archangels and then there's underling angels there's more powerful spiritual beings and less powerful spiritual beings It's not different from us here, right? Like, look around. How many people could you take in a fist fight just in your row, if you had to guess at it, right? That's not nice, don't do that. You guys are jacked, because you got two black belts in your row. All the military people, I could take everybody. Then there's one crazy Florida man who literally had gator bites for breakfast. He wins, you guys, that's it. Yeah, now the, the status is, A word that's described, archangel, just means chief angel. And there are princes, and then there are less than princes, just like there are here. In our realm, we have kings or presidents. We have governors and mayors. We have the people who just live as citizens. One of the big confusing things is that the word angel just means messenger. The word used for angel in the Bible literally is used of human beings as well as spiritual beings, and it just means a messenger. Now to help you, and this is in the Bible app, but you can take a picture of this afterward. I wrote a chart. This is not accurate because I wrote it and rewrote it so many times, but it's the best that I can come up with today. So if you're wondering, how do all of these spiritual beings in the heavens work? And I'm going to tell you why this is important to understand this at the very end. So we have Yahweh, the most high Elohim, according to the Bible. He is the Lord of Lords. So he rules all the heavenly Lords and he rules all the Kings of earth. Yahweh created the sons of God. And the sons of God, depending on how you're reading, I'm just going to, for now, say that this represents all of the good guys. Some of them rebelled, the first being who we would call the serpent or the Satan, the devil, the dragon. He is the first evil, the first one who rebelled. He looked at himself in Ezekiel 28. He looked at himself in the reflection and said, I look good. I want to be like God. I want to be like the most high God instead of like a son of the most high God. So he rebelled. And through him came the rebellious sons of God. Some of these were the ones who said, we're going to go down and make offspring with human women. And those people we call the Nephilim, they're the hybrid ones we talked about last week. Those Nephilim then became the Rephaim. The descendants of them became the Rephaim. When the Rephaim died in the Old Testament, they were called the Shadim, which is where we get the word shade from. You know those creepy movies where you have a black cloaked creature and it's a ghost? So literally the word for demon in the Old Testament is Shadim. And it was generally referring to a shade of the dead. And you're thinking, why wouldn't they go? Where where do they go to hell? Where do they go to heaven? Well, here's the crazy thing. The rebellious sons of God that made the Nephilim, it says in Jude and Peter that God chained them up for the day of judgment. So there's one group, they're already chained up. They're not messing with us. They're not fighting against us. God said, what you did was such an abomination because God made us in his image. And these rebellious ones said, we want to make our own in our image. And God said, no, no, no. I will not have that abomination, but those descendants, the Nephilim to the Rephaim to the Shadim are what many scholars believe are the the demonic presences in the Old Testament, which there are very few of. Of these rebellious sons of God, we have two categories called fallen princes and fallen angels. There's this amazing story and I've shared it before and I can keep sharing because it's so beautiful where Daniel prays to God. If you were wondering, should I pray to angels? No, don't pray to angels. We don't need to do that. We can pray to Yahweh, the Most High, and God, God, Yahweh, the Creator, will send angels on our behalf. Case in point, Daniel chapter 10 has been praying to God, and God sends Gabriel, one of the two good guys mentioned in the Bible, good guy spirit beings. Gabriel, the messenger, Michael, the archangel, and the prince. God sends Gabriel to answer, and Gabriel is talking to Daniel after he gets there. He says, Daniel, I would have got here sooner, but I was held up for 21 days. By the prince of the air of Persia. What is that? So when God had the rebellion of Babel in Genesis 11, we learn in Deuteronomy 32 that he separated the people based on the number of sons of God. And he said, I'm going to allow my spiritual family, even the rebellious ones, the rebellious ones are going to go govern the people. They've been rebelling and they've been trying to get the people to rebel against me. So they're going to run those people, but I'm going to run Israel. And it says that there is a prince of the air of Persia. There was a son of God, an Elohim being, an evil rebellious spiritual being that ruled Persia. And he was powerful enough to prevent Gabriel from getting to Daniel. If that doesn't creep you out a little bit, it should. That there are spiritual beings over regions in the Bible. And then when Gabriel is finishing telling Daniel the answer to the prayer, he says, okay, here's everything that's gone on. I've got to go back up there and join the battle because Gabriel was stuck until... My, one of my favorite characters got there, Michael, 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 Michael. He's like our drummer, but bigger and jacked with swords. Gabriel's like, I can't get by. No. And then it says when Michael got there, he's just like, I feel like Michael's that character. He lands like, uh, like Thor or the Hulk in the comic. It's like, gadoosh. and Michael gets there, and Michael's like, move along, little Gabe. I've got this. And then Gabriel goes down and answers the prayer. And then he says to Daniel, Daniel, I've got to go back up because Michael is battling with the prince of the air of Persia. And, and the prince of the air of Persia is going to call the prince of Greece. This is all in Daniel 10. And you're like, I read Daniel. I never saw that because we weren't looking. And it's right here, this spiritual cosmic war. And Michael, just as a bonus note, he is a bad memory jammer. Satan was trying to get the body of Moses when Moses died because he's like, I'm going to use whatever I can. I'm going to get the Israelites to worship this body. And it said that Michael went and wouldn't allow it. Grabbed the body of Moses, didn't even fight, didn't even fight Satan, the fallen one, Lucifer, because they were, they were both on the top tier of these spiritual beings. And Michael, like, picks up the body of Moses in my mind and just says, the Lord rebuke you and just walks on. Mm, mm, mm. You know when you're so strong that you don't even have to look at your enemy and they're still scared of you? That's, that's Michael. So he's one of the princes on the good side. He's the archangel, the chief angel. And these are governing beings. And there are governing beings that are fallen. There are governing beings that are good. And then there's throne room beings, cherubim and seraphim. These are the weird ones. These are the ones with crazy eyeball-looking things. And some descriptions. These are the ones with four heads. These are the ones that have six wings. With two, they cover their face. With two, they cover their feet. With two, they fly. And they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. These beings are located in Ezekiel 10, Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10, Isaiah 6, and Revelation chapter 4 and 5. They're called living creatures, but described similarly. And it's hard to tell what's what, but what we know is that the creatures here are what we kind of think of when we say angels. What we did, strangely enough, is we took the idea that angels appear as men, and then we took the idea that these throne room creatures have wings, and we combined it to make dumb books. We also have the roles. There are angels in Daniel chapter 4 called watchers. They just watch you. You ever have that feeling and the hair stands up in the back of your neck and you're like, someone's watching me. Yes, they are. And you would think, well, is it one of these beings? I don't know. I do know that there are thousands of these beings because Jesus said I could call 12,000 legions down right now. In the Bible, it says over and over, there are innumerable numbers of these beings. So before we get to some singing, I need us to just quickly look at what they do. Now, this is what the angels do. The messenger beings do. This is their role. See, we get to sit in, in authority over them in the new kingdom. Psalm 91, verse 11 says, they guard us in all of our ways. Some of you have guardian angel stories. I always think of Jared's guardian angel story. Driving a car losing control light pole here next thing he knows he's on the other side of the light pole and there's no damage on the car going toward the light pole other side of the light pole well brian you weren't there i probably did a 360 spin backflip kickflip land or spiritual reality exists and we've ignored it for far too long or we've made it weird by adding things that aren't in the bible Angels can interact with us. Hebrews thirteen two. It's such a cool verse. It says, show, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Like some of us have been kind to a stranger and not even known that it was an angelic gathering. There's someone who shared recently at Bender Brothers and at a um, Bible study about a situation they just had talking to someone who was out of place and it just felt different to them. Don't neglect to be kind to people. Like imagine if the person that you're having a tough day and you bump into somebody at Publix and you just go off on them and they're just a 50,000 year old angelic being cloaked to look like a suburban housewife, you're bombed, man. See, the, the angels can appear this way to us They serve those who are to inherit salvation. This is one of their primary jobs. We think that we're going out and we say, this is what the gospel is. Do you want to believe it? Do you want to say the prayer in your heart? We have no idea that as we're going out with our proclamation of the death and life and resurrection and these beautiful things about Jesus on the cross, these angelic beings are literally going to serve and they're guiding. If I asked you right now to think about the path that it took for you to come to know Jesus, I'll bet you all of you could point to the fact that weird Things happened. Certain people had to be in certain places and say certain things. Literally, one of the stories here at the chapel, someone came to Christ because they were praying to God and they wanted a sign and a seal popped out of a water onto a rock right in front of them and started barking out the ABCs. No, that last part I made up. But all the parts before that were true. I need to get the details of that from Matt again. See, the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. They are happy beings. If you were to look at most Christian churches, especially the, the ones um, that are just like kind of from that root of depressed looking Christian people, you would not know that we had joy. When someone comes to Jesus, when one person, one sinner repents, when they turn from their fake gods and come to the true God, the angels are like, yeah, let's go. We're just like, "Yay!" Yeah. Some of you celebrate because you used to go to a charismatic church, see? Um, the angels don't marry. We get this from when Jesus is talking about when we die in the afterlife, you're you're not going to be married in the afterlife. And it's Jesus says just like the angels aren't married. This is how we know that there's probably different looking angels because all the angels that appear appear as men, but it's implied that they have the capacity to look married. And Jesus says just like the angels though. You're not going to be married. So that's good news for some of you, bad news for others of you. If you don't like your spouse, just look forward to the day. Um, if you love your spouse, that's a bummer. I love my spouse. I'm, I really want, I don't know how it's going to be. Like she's like the half to my whole. Um, angels have the capacity to rebel. This is a question that we should ask. And it was asked recently. Why, why would God make a being that he knew could rebel? The reason is because God is a good God and he creates good things. And in order for something to be good, there has to be the capacity for not good. If there's not the capacity for not good, then it, there is no, nothing to contrast the good with. And I don't know how it all works. Nobody does. If they tell you they're lying, people will say, free will, this and that. They'll give all these words. Free will doesn't answer any of the questions well. Ultimately, what it comes down to is God is a good God. And in order for him to be good, there has to be a capacity for not good. So that good can be identified and seen and shown. The very nature of God being good is created a capacity for not good. So the reason he would choose them, the reason he would allow the spiritual family to rebel and to govern and to lead is the same reason he uses you and me. Because we we prayed for a church and we've been talking about one of the churches that's gone through a really hard time. They've just recently closed their doors. It's like, Didn't God see all this coming? Yes. Well, man, I, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, make bad choices, you're going to fall. There's only people who make bad choices, including the spiritual beings, including us. And God says, I want to invite you to participate. This is part of my plan, and it's beautiful. We all are messengers now if we're in God's family. So now I need us to pray and to repent of things. Repent means to say, I've been living for this, and now I want to live for God, the creator. Repent of our our view of spirituality that has been too shallow and not aware, because we don't have cherubim gold in front of us. We're going to sing two songs, then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to roll right into the next part, which are... Creepy Creatures and Why Angels Matter. Go ahead and grab a seat for a moment. A little city outside of a concentration camp in uh, Germany. It's called Dachau. Many of you, I'm sure, have been there. If you're in the military, you kind of go around that area. Uh, It's the only one that I've been to, the concentration camp during World War II. And the most horrendous things happened in this particular concentration camp. It's not as famous as Auschwitz. This was a particular camp where they experimented on people to find out their tolerance to certain things until they died. So how long can a person be submerged in freezing water until they die? How many types of lacerations, how many types of chemical things can be introduced to the body before they die? And it was a torture concentration camp. Um, what's odd to me are the people Right outside, a beautiful little town, sort of cobblestone, old European buildings. And what's always been odd to me about so much of this is, what were those people thinking that lived just outside? The ones who continue to get their milk and their eggs and make bread, and there's this massive walled camp going on right there. Line of sight, where there would be fires, where bodies would go in but never come out. The reason I bring up that story is because in this study of these heady things, angels, demons, spiritual beings, which ones are which, we are forgetting that the battle that we are facing in our lives is not primarily only in this realm. It's why Certain prophets of God didn't stress out when they were surrounded by armies and their servants were stressing. And the servant, the prophet says, Lord, open my servant's eyes that he can see what I see. And the servant's eyes were opened. And instead of seeing just the enemy army, he saw encircled around the enemy chariots of fire. That wasn't a metaphor. When the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, so we need to gear up with the armor of God. It's He's telling us the battle you're facing, it's not just here. You can't just put on a bulletproof vest. Kevlar will not protect you from the things that are coming at you. And this is why we lose so much when we take away the visions of what angels are. And specifically, I think the cherubim play, the seraphim and cherubim play an important role, which is why God had them put on the tapestries, which is why God had them put into the holy places to understand. And we sing this song about building our life on love and we've reduced it to just being kind people. Christians, we are not just to be known as kind people. Kindness is important, don't get me wrong. Some of you are not kind, you know who you are. But being built on the love of Christ and what he has done for us on the cross gives us this really amazing process of stepping in and cutting into the spiritual realm. I'm going to explain that. See, the seraphim, they had the six wings. They covered their face, and with two their feet, and with two they flew. These are the beings that are saying, holy, 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 separate, 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 is the Yahweh Elohim Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And these beings are on repeat, just saying, you are separate from us. And the whole earth is full of your glory. When your person, when your, when who you are goes public, Lord, it fills this world with glory. And these beings just say it over and over and over again. There's not really renditions. Like, Here's the best that we have. It's just a pile of wings. In Ezekiel, we have another account. He looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above the cherubim something like sapphire. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of this house when the man went in, and the cherubim appeared to have the form of a human hand under their wings. And the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures. This is why people connect living creatures in Revelation 4 to the cherubim in Ezekiel 10 and 1. And he sees these weird creatures. These were the living creatures. I saw them underneath the God of Israel. Now, the the purpose of this is that God has people see visions of the spiritual realm. God has them put cherubim on top of the place where they kept the Ten Commandments, like the original draft. Technically, the second draft, because Moses blew it, but that's a different sermon. The second draft of the Ten Commandments. If you don't know that story, it's a really good one. And these angels... These cherubim are, are winged up over the Ark of the Covenant. And God guided them as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of clouds by day. And we're here like the closest we get to spirituality in our culture is, um, oh my gosh, what's your sign? I'm a Pisces. I don't even know what a Pisces means. I don't think I'm a Pisces actually. I think I'm an Aries. And some of you are already like, I've got it online. I know what you are, Aries. That makes a lot of sense the way you preach. Aries are passionate, brash, excellent lovers. I've read it. I don't believe it. I mean, some parts. See, the thing is, is that the spiritual realm is so much more than we've reduced it to Aries, Aquarius, Pisces. But it's but we've done something terrible in Christianity. We've almost neglected the functional nature of it because we aren't there seeing the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim depicted. We aren't there looking at the tapestries throughout Israel where God said, I want you to put this in front of your eyes so that you understand that this spiritual war going on, there are beings holding me up and there are rebellious beings governing areas of the world. And when God tells us to go share the gospel. When Jesus says, go share the good news, go preach the gospel, go make disciples. It means something more than what we've thought, because he says in the very beginning, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember back in the temptation in the desert, Satan says, Jesus, if you bow down to me, that's all that these rebellious Elohim want. They want us to bow to them like we are created to bow to Yahweh, the God of Israel. And, they, and Satan says to Jesus, if you just bow to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms. How can he say he would give him all the kingdoms? Because guess what? He runs what? All the kingdoms. And Satan had no idea what God's plan was through this process. And when Jesus dies... And he pays the penalty for sin, he takes the authority away from all of these rebellious sons of God. All of the ones like the prince of the air of Persia, the prince of the air of Greece, Satan, Lucifer, the morning star, the evil one, the devil, the dragon. Jesus takes it all and he says, "Look, I actually went down and I conquered and I took their authority." So when Jesus says, oh, "I have all authority on heaven and on earth," he's saying I've defanged the serpent. I I have the authority And now go, which means now I'm giving you the authority to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This isn't just a practical thing that we do. When we bring the love, specifically the love of Jesus Christ for weary and hurting and broken sinners to someone, we are literally bringing kingdom into their life. And the powers of darkness cannot fight back against that. This is what it means to be good news people. It's not just a practicality of here's the nations that need the gospel. We are literally walking. We're straddling the line of spiritual realm and physical realm. When we share the gospel, there is still a being that is trying to fight, that is trying to resist. It says the God of this world is trying to blind the eyes of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. So we preach the gospel so that that light shines in. Like when the sun is cresting through that window and for whatever reason, your curtain doesn't block the one beam that rips into your face in the morning. This is what it is. We preach the gospel. We're cutting through spiritual darkness. It's not just us saying facts about a factual historical person. It's us saying, Jesus has heaven authority and earth authority. I'm riding on that horse of authority right into the heart of someone who can't even see. Someone who's held captive. And this is why the spiritual realm is important. It's not just that we get weird pictures, although I love these. Like this is an angel, little guy, cherubim, weird. And then there's whirling wheels, which I'm not even going to talk about today. There's just wheels of eyeballs whipping around. Why would God put it in the Bible? If it's there, it's important. Otherwise, he would have left it out. See, this this image is something that the Israelites would have seen and known. And they lived in this spiritual reality. So when they talked about this battle, this spiritual battle, it wasn't something that was far off in their mind. And it's not like watching the shows that we watch today. I mean, yes, some of them are cool. Like I've watched all the Constantine. Y'all watch all the show, any show that has evil in it or demon possession. And it's always the same. It's like some amped up version of Jim Henson with CGI nowadays. Cool wings, cool story, bro. But the reality is if we're not in this book, we're going to take culture's version of spiritual reality. And we're going to be scared. Like next week, we're talking about demons. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the story of the demoniac in the New Testament. And how to deal with evil beings in our life and around us and we have some people who will try to fight them. I cast you out in Jesus' name, and if they don't come out, they just say it louder and louder. What's, what's powerful to the, the evil in this world, the evil spirits, is not that we get, try to get more powerful and more, more uh, robust than they are, but that we uh, walk with Christ and have, he has all the authority. So there have been times where I've thought, this person may be demon-possessed in my life, and I just will say, in the name of Jesus, leave this person. And if they're still going crazy, I don't doubt that my prayer wasn't heard. I just think, must not be a demon. Must be something else. And I just keep going down the list. Because there's plenty of things that can mess up a human. See, they lived and operated in the spiritual realm in a way that we don't. They had this image engraved in their mind in a way that we don't. That there are these massive beings, these powerful beings. And they are holding up and around and guarding the throne room of heaven. And the temple of God was this place where Satan wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to take his place on that throne. And we just think it's all unrelated to us. It's not because it's exactly what we do in a much lesser way. So what difference does this make? These faithful angels, it makes a huge difference. See, they're, they're sent out to serve us who will inherit salvation. I love that. I love that they're sent to serve us. I love that we should show hospitality to people because it might be an angel. I think that is one of the coolest things. But at the end of the day, like, what does this have to do with? See, the angels even know. When John falls down, he says, I'm going to worship you. The angel says, don't do not do that. Don't worship me. There's so many people in our culture that worship angels. It's weird. I don't get it. There are certain traditions that teach you to pray to angels. The Bible doesn't even say to do that. The Bible says you pray to God, and God will send angels to answer at times. But at times, they'll just answer in the Holy Spirit within you. And I can't wait till we get to this unseen realm part where we talk about the most important spirit being of them all, Yahweh Elohim. Now, just to remind you, this battle's going on. It's going on around us, above us, below us, within some, outside of some. There are good beings and there are evil beings. The evil beings we'll talk about next week, specifically the ones that interact with us. Memorize this verse. Commit it to memory. Every time you want to hate your neighbor, commit this verse to memory. Every time you want to sling mud at your boss, commit this verse to memory. Every time you get mad at somebody. Remember, the enemy that we face is not flesh and blood, but rulers and authorities, rulers and authorities against the cosmic, cosmic powers over this present darkness. That's who the fight is against. When we, when we talk about loving people, not just kindness toward people, when we talk about bringing the love of Christ toward people, we are bringing the most important weapon to the fight. The good news of what Jesus has done, it disarms, it defangs. But we, we think it's just this list of words. It's so much bigger than that. And here's what's going on in your life right now. There are things trying to distract you, to separate you from God. You may think it's a person. You may think it's a church hurt. I mean, the, the church that we were praying for, um, that Dave volunteered at. How many people were at this church, Chris? Like 5,000 total with all the campuses. It was probably a 5,000 person church, probably more. 6,000 person church just shut down in one week. The whole thing, kablam. People will point to, well, the pastor said this, the pastor did that, the leadership team did this, they made this bad choice. If you're listening, I'm just staring at the verse. Ephesians 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy does not want you as an individual, does not want you as a family unit, does not want us as a faith family unit to bow before Yahweh Elohim, the creator of all. Does not want us to talk about the life of Jesus that was perfect, the death of Jesus on the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus that ripped the authority from these rebellious sons of God. See, the enemy wants us to focus on things that we can only see here. I can't stand my job. I've got bills to pay, all these things. I'm not saying don't look at them, but I'm saying they're not the enemy. And all these things that are trying to separate us, it's not It's not just, well, I really love money. I really like new cars. You know, all the things that, that Christians talk about. Don't, don't give yourself over to drunkenness. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't give yourself over to lust. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't have affairs. Don't be, don't get drunk. Don't get high. Don't do all these things that Christians say you shouldn't do, except for dance. You should dance. What should separate us from the love of Christ? What is there in this world that can separate you from the love of Jesus, from the love of Jesus who died? We need to say it again and again and again. Corinthians 15, when asked, what is the gospel? He says, the life of, death resurrection of jesus and then he appeared to people tell people that that he did it for them what can separate you from that love can death separate you from god's love in christ no can life separate you from jesus no i'm just death can't separate you life can't separate can angels separate you no can rulers which are the opposite of angels see life death angels are the good guys the rulers are the bad guys can they separate you no So next time you're like, ah, I feel like a demon is pulling me away from you. They can't. An angel can't. If you see an angel of light, that could be Satan, by the way. Run. (laughs) But they don't have the power to because what God has, he will not let go. But he wants you to rest in him. Things that are happening now cannot separate you. Things that are going to happen in the future cannot separate you. Powers. Cannot set, governing powers cannot separate you. There's nothing in the heavens and there's nothing in the depths of hell that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing in all creation, creation is spiritual realm, physical realm, will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When people ask, why does the spiritual realm matter? Because there are beings that are trying to pretend to be something that they are not. They're trying to pose as having authority that they do not. And the goal of every rebellious Spiritual being, whether demonic, prince, whatever, is to get you to bow to them and worship them in whatever fashion instead of bowing and worshiping the God of the Bible. And then you have these other beings that are fighting, literally fighting against them to prevent them from getting into your life. When you drive home today, it's not just you battling the traffic of Lithia Pinecrest or Fishhawk Boulevard or the roundabouts of Fishhawk. There is a spiritual battle waging all around us, trying to capture your hearts and souls, trying to capture the heart and souls of your children. A CDC report just came out. And uh, said that between, aged, girls between age 12 and 19, their levels of depression, hopelessness, and suicide, thoughts of suicide, has increased from, I think it was 29% to 67% over the past three years, 67% teenage girls. They talked about all the stats, they try to, they're to they trying to figure out why, they looked at the, the gender and sexuality stuff. And they're only looking right here, they're not, nobody's looking up. What are we teaching our children to worship? And by teaching them, I mean modeling. Hmm? Yeah, we're modeling it too. We're, we're, we're not looking upward. If you have a teenage daughter, I don't have one yet. I have two teenage acting daughters. Um, that The other statistics are alarming, but that one just sunk my soul. It's like, what do we do? Hopelessness. I, that's a, one of the questions they asked, and they don't have any hope. Some of you don't have any hope, and you're not a teenage girl. Where do we find hope? against spiritual darkness that seems like it's collapsing on our world, when you hear roars of rumors of wars, when you hear of famines and potential shortages of all these things, what are we going to do? I mean, if any of the QAnon people are right about anything, we're in deep trouble because they're supposed to be like EMP blasts and lizard people coming out of the sky. You know, it's not far off from the Bible because you know what seraphim means? Seraphim literally means a venomous snake That's why you see pictures of these angelic beings that look like serpents with wings. So when a QAnon person, one of those crazy people, says, hey, there's going to be serpents coming out of the sky, next time you might just want to be like, you might be right. So we're going to sing the song. It's the song.